Well, welcome everyone. I would like to thank you for coming out this morning. And, um, you know, the, and during the worship time, we looked at, or we sang the song, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. And when I was here three weeks ago, we talked about prayer. And we, look, uh, we looked at the throne room of God, of, of God, where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for us. And the importance of prayer, that when we, um, when we pray, heaven comes alive, the throne room comes alive with activity because the more prayers that are coming up off the, out of the earth through that crystal glass that Jesus is walking upon as he's looking upon, down upon the earth in the throne room of God, uh, the more we pray, the more Jesus is receiving the prayers and like the sound of many waters, he's speaking to the Father and he's compiling up all these prayers and speaking to his Father and the Father's answering. And Jesus is calling upon the millions of Seraphim and cherubim that are flying above the throne room of God and the witness, the twenty-four thrones of witnesses and the the uh, surrounding amphitheater of the cloud of witnesses, and He calls them down, and the angels go through the glass into the spiritual realm of this earth to fulfill those prayers, along with the power of Jesus and through the, His Holy Spirit to affect this world. And what we looked at is that. The less we pray, the less activity there is in heaven. And so there's a correlation in our responsibility as Christians to bring our prayers up to God, to petition up to God, because that's where the power is in those answered prayers. So today, um, I'm kind of continuing on with that concept. Um, we looked at Daniel to kind of tie this all together of why why there is these, these spiritual forces in play. And in the book of Daniel, as Daniel was praying, it took uh, the angel Gabriel 21 days to get to him to answer the prayer. And Gabriel explained that I was fighting the prince of Persia. And he also talked about the prince of Greece. And that um, this, this prince was so powerful that I had to bring in the archangel Michael to fight the prince and defeat him, get him out of my way so I could get to you, Daniel. And so what the reality we found about the world is that the world, the Bible clearly states that Lucifer, the fallen angel, if you look in the, the spiritual galactic war of the heavens, uh, he was the, the worship leader um, in heaven, and uh, he got a lot of pride in him, and it's like, well, everyone's worshiping God the Father, why don't they start worshiping me? And he convinced a third of the angels to fo follow him. Um, in, in rebellion against God. And in, in the Gospels, Jesus says, I saw him fall from heaven onto earth, streak down like a, a falling star upon the earth. And um, the reality is, and look at some verses today, is that he is the God of this small world, small g, not big G. Jesus Christ is the big G God of the world. But he is the small, um, small g God of this world, and his fallen angels are the princes that rule over the different parts of the world on a spiritual realm. I think in Christianity we kind of overlook that um, because we know that uh, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. So we don't necessarily need to fear the spiritual forces of the world, but we need to, uh, we need to know what's going on so we can see what's What's, what really is truth and what, what is not truth in this world. So my title today is Overcoming the World. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you taught us to love. You said, love God and love, then love each other. Your message of love has resonated throughout time. Lord, we find ourselves in a world where your message of love is being 
contorted to emphasize everything. Love ourselves, love hobbies, love life's pleasures, love the world, and even love sin. You have asked us to be the salt and the light of the world, but as we wrestle with this compromised message of love, the world sees us as haters and not lovers. Lord, we ask you for divine insight and wisdom in how to proceed in this world. Lord, help us to overcome the world as we journey towards everlasting in you. You know, let's take a look at that word world. It's, it's used many, many times in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. It covers so many different meanings as a noun and even as an adjective. The origins of the word is, is quite interesting. It comes from the Germanic or German, uh, German language compound meaning age of man. The world, age of man. The most common definition in the world is the earth and everything in it. So when, uh, when you hear things like out of the world, that means it's better than anything in the world, right? This pie is out of this world. Um, or he's got the whole world in his hands, right? It's everything that's in it. It's the, um, the countries, the people, all the natural features of the world. But then it, a lot in, in the New Testament, you see the word world um, connotate the concept of fallen or corrupt world, of, of a corruption in a human society type setting, in contrast to the world to come in which Jesus reigns and the millennial reign and beyond. The word is frequently um, used alongside the word flesh, which represents the sin, uh, sin nature in us, and the devil is a source of temptations for us as Christians. You hear terms in the Bible like in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus prayed in John 17, 15, and 16. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. The world in this context is talking about the flesh or the inner propensity of sin. In 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. The next context is the devil is our supernatural enemy. Uh, a created being who fell from heaven, and now his role is, is to in essence, try to pull us away from our creator, from Christ. Uh, John 12, 31, Now it is just judgment of this world. Now, the, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And the last one here in the context is the world is an evil system in which we live under, that is under the control of wickedness. In 1 John five nineteen, it says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So as we're seeing more and more craziness, you know, people are like, boy, this world has gone crazy. You know, you hear news each night and what's going on and all these different belief systems rising up out of our school systems and impacting our culture and uh, just leading everything astray. Um, you know, what in the world is going on is kind of the question that comes to many people's mind. So I just wanted to start today to look at that first definition of the world is everything that's in it. And um, one of the things I wanted to focus on is God's rejuvenation power over the world. 
So if we start back in, uh, in Genesis, in creation, in Genesis 1.31, it states, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was good. So it starts there, God made a perfect creation. And even in Hebrews, if you look at it now, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, throughout, though, though, whom, though whom he created the world, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact rep representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So God promises us that the world that we live in will be sustained until his purposes are, are complete. So we can trust that he's got the whole world in his hands. You know, just as some fun things, I did a web search quick on the number of new species found each year. It came, on one website came up to with 15 to 18,000, and others, a site said hundreds or thousands. You know, although there was debate over the exact number, they all agreed that they're finding new species each year, even in the year 2022. Um, and this is not just little insects in the Amazon or, you know, under a rock somewhere. Uh, in November of this past year, researchers discovered a completely new species of bleak whale off the coast of, of the Mexican west coast. Um, so it's, it's like the large creatures, too, they're finding a new species of. It reminds me of the, the verse in Psalms that says, 104, uh, 24, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with the creatures, and uh, beyond numbers, living both large and small. You know, the, the word says that God is sustaining all things, and I think he's still in the business of sustaining and even maybe creating um, as you know, as man whittles away at our resources and we're constantly being told on the news that we're destroying our planet. Um, surprisingly, you know, things that man says, you know, this year, 20 years from now, they find out that mm, they were wrong. And there's lots of historical accounts, and I'll share a couple with you in a second. In January 18th of 2016, uh, you know, the Bible's very focused on Israel. Um, uh, Jesus was a Jew from the land of Israel, and uh, there's a lot of promises for the Jewish people in the word. But in January 18, 2016, an Israeli exploration group found signs of a massive natural gas reservoir off Israel's Mediterranean coast. The Daniel East and West Fields is the largest discovery since the Leviathan Project was revealed in 2011. So here, the little strip of Israel that wasn't supposed to have hardly any natural gas or oil, you know, that's what the, the wisdom of this world says, they're finding some of the largest deposits of those resources in the world. So you're like, well, is that coincidence or is that God's divine blessing and uh, provision as outlined in the word of God? If uh, some of you were alive back in 1986 when the Chernobyl nuclear plant in what I believe is now Belarusia area in the Soviet Union melted down and there's so much radiation came out, um, they cleared pretty much 19 square miles of land around the city of Chernobyl. So, you know, Chernobyl with its skyscrapers and amusement parks and Ferris wheels were all left vacant. And the news media at the time said, oh, that's going to be a vacant dead zone for two, three hundred years. Well, God's creation has rebound substantially faster than what they estimated. 
Today, parts of the exclusion zone has become a biodiversity a haven, in essence, a wildlife sanctuary. They're seeing brown bears, lynx, European bison, boar, Przewalski's horses in growing numbers. Even with all that radiation, the animals are, are thriving. Tourists are returning to 19, the 1986 time capsule, walking through people's apartments, seeing their old pianos as vines are growing up everywhere over all the buildings. Um, people are coming into the area to log, poach, and, and sneak resources out of there. So they're also using, the governments are using that space for new energy plants inside that 19 square miles in large solar panel fields. Even man's best attempt to screw up God's creation can't keep up with God's creating power. I could go on and on with that, but even the, the uh, Valdez spill, oil spill in Alaska, you know, that was supposed to be a hundred year disaster with all the oil on the coast and all the wildlife. Within a few short years, they found out that, oh, there's a bacteria that eats oil. And it was clear, clear within a few short years. Man's wisdom. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You know, the world, as they reject Christ and his teachings and follow uh, the God of this world's messages that we're hearing all the time in growing volumes, um, all they have to do is open their eyes and walk around. You know, see the, the beauty of this creation. Look at somebody's eye and say, how can all that tissue in that eye, which is like 98% water, be able to re reflect images and be processed in a brain? I mean, it just shows the creative power of God that we are indeed uh, created beings. So we looked at the creation and the sustenance of this world, but there's also other proce processes in play that God has put. The degradation of this world as well. We first see a reduction of God's creation in the fall of man in, uh, in, chapter, in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3, 17 and 19 says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I command you, saying, You shall not eat. Cursed is the ground for your sakes. In toil you eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. In your sweat on your face you shall eat the bread until you return to the ground. And for any of those that have a garden, you understand what he means by thistles and thorns and nettles and everything else that's growing up trying to choke out your plants. Um, so there, it, it seemed right away in Genesis, it seemed that God had chose to judge man's sin by degrading or affecting nature, making it a little harder for us to live on this earth. Um, we also understand the natural cycle, cycle of life and death. Uh, we know that there's a natural order of the world. There's birth and then there's death. In James 4, 14, it says, Where, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor in, that appears for a little time and vanishes away. And I think we all understand the brevity of life right now. You know, plants grow in the spring and bear fruit, while then die off, leaving its nutrients in the soil for the next planting season. God told us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
In Genesis 1.28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. You know, after creating this planet, when, you know, when he set Adam and Eve in it, and we talked about a couple messages ago about early man and the, the spiritual forces uh, on earth, or heavenly forces on earth at that time, uh, don't you think that he had a plan for when we actually did what he told us to do and, and um, subdued the earth? Do you think he's like, oh, no, there's 8 billion of you. I have no more food for you. Sorry. No. He's the God that made manna in the desert for 1.8 million Jewish people walking around for 40 years. He has the whole world in his hands. He knows what's going on. In fact, Elon Musk, the head of Tesla, very intelligent man, he's turned his political stance uh, recently, based on what he's seen in, in the current government, in the current world condition. But uh, he says it's not uh, you know, climate change that we have to worry about. It's climate reduction or, or collapse. And um, you know, all the Western countries are not producing enough people to even replace themselves, let alone their parents or their grandparents. You know, we're 80 years away of seeing that 8 million go you know, really drop off fast as, you know, as our modern society and all its costs are curtailing people from having children. So, you know, there is something with man's sin affecting nature um, with, if we go back to that original curse. So have you ever contemplated man's effect on, on, uh, on earth? In Isaiah, it's talking about the last days or the end times after Christ comes back and, and um, you know, we're raptured and we're, you know, he starts this millennial reign. Uh, or after his minute, uh, it says Isaiah, Isaiah 24, 4 through 6. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the heavens languish with earth. The earth is defiled by its people, they have disobeyed God's laws, violating the statues and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth, its people must bear the guilt. Therefore, earth inhabitants are burnt up, and very few are left. Now, I don't know if you have to worry about that verse, but there is something to that in the, in the future because there's a lot of promises of what Jesus is going to do for his church as well. Maybe, just maybe, the planet is, not, is experiencing what we're constantly being told is climate change, not from the carbon dioxide that you breathe out, which is breath for all plant life that greens the earth. Maybe the earth is rumbling due to man's sin. After all, Jesus told us the condition of the earth uh, in the days leading up to his second coming. Uh, in Matthew 24, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. You know, if you think of famines, you, you keep on hearing this on the news that there's going to be famines, famines, famines. Well, the famines are usually caused by a, a lot by um, the water, amount of water, either too much or too little as we're seeing in parts of the world. But as we can also see, you know, political processes are in play too that are curtailing um, human production in, 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 as far as food production. Uh, earthquakes, hurricanes, and extreme weather have a lot of similar origins as well. You, you know, even Jesus talked about nature in uh, Luke 19.40 where he said, but he answered them and said, I tell you that if these... 
and he's talking about people, should, not, uh, should keep quiet or silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So he's saying if we don't praise them, the stones will. So you better do your job. Um, and then also, too, if you look at the God, small g, of this world, his mission, uh, Satan's task in John 10.10 is to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, when Jesus says, I've come to bring life abundantly and eternal life, but the enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy. So if I was trying to fulfill that mission, I would convince, every, uh, convince the world that every breath you take are, is destroying the world, causing climate disasters. I would convince you that every cow that farts is destroying our ozone layer, as I heard uh, two weeks ago uh, from someone close to me. So that, uh, so that you kill off all your food production, helping you to forget that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, convincing you that his perfect creation is destroying his perfect creation. As humans, we are so consumed with the conditions of this planet because the majority of us believe that we are all that exists. They either follow the God of this world in his lies, the devil, or the religion of humanism, where it's we are our own gods. Therefore, we can't see past ourselves in this planet. So the world will do everything possible to eliminate their neighbor so they can survive. Because the cows and the fellow humans are destroying the earth. That's what Lucifer wants you to believe. Not saying that we don't have responsibilities to take care of the earth. We do. And not be foolish and you know, poison our waters and our air. We need to be good stewards of, the, of what God has given us. But what we're hearing day in and day out is false. And it does not line up with the word of God. So in 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no one deceive himself. If any among you seem to be wise in this age, let him be fools that he may become wise. In 1 John 2.17, and the world is passing away and the lusts of it, but he who does the will of the Lord will abide forever. You know, the crazy part about all what, what we're hearing on the news and taught in our schools every day is that this earth will pass away. You know, God will create a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible describes. So the tree that is um, being hugged today, um, where they're trying to save the tree, will be burnt up tomorrow in some future time. Second Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done and it will be laid bare. God's God's he created the world. The world will end and it will start again. In Revelations 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Just like, uh, you know, in, in our beginning of the world, a lot of people believe that there was one continent on the face of the earth. And then after the flood, the tectonic plates started shifting away. And there's proof of that. Even uh, they, they look at satellite and they see that the um, U.S. is drifting closer to Japan by about 1.8 feet every year um, with the tectonic plates moving. Man is so worried about the creation because without God, it is all he has. It is foolish. God has this world under his control and the next worlds to come. Jesus says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Other verses talk about the ages to come. 
This is not God's first rodeo. I believe he has done this before and he will do it again. He says he's prepared a place for us, a mansion for those who believe. He's got us taken care of. He's asked us to go make disciples of all nations so that more can go come into his blessings for everlasting life. So how, in the last part here, how do we overcome the world? And there's three parts to that, real quick parts. Um, the first part is do not love the world. The first verse that implies that is in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The world in this context is talking about the world's value system. He's talking about the value that says pleasure is everything, power is everything, position is everything, and possessions are everything. The word world here in Greek means cosmos, and cosmos means cosmetics, the arrangement of things. He's talking about the value system or organization of this world. It's, he says, do not love the, the values of this world. He's being very clear here. You can't have two masters. You can't love the world and love God. They're mutually exclusive. At this, uh, the point is this. God wants my full allegiance. He wants your full allegiance. He wants us to love him with all of his heart. In James 4.4, 4, James reminds us, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity to God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Jesus even prayed. Jesus totally understood this. Jesus even prayed for us in John 17.15-18. My prayer is that you do not take them out of the world, Father, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of, of the world. Sanctifying them in the truth, with the word of truth, as you set, send them into the world. I have sent them into the world. God wants you to be a change agent of the world. Be that salt and the light. The second way we can overcome the world is not love the world or the things of this world. doesn't mean you can't love ice cream, though. You can love ice cream. But uh, they're talking about the world system and the, the rebellious spirit of the world against God. The second one is resist the devil. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So in James 4.7 it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So the devil's the, the ultimate temptress you know, to all, all of mankind and to individuals as well. Despite all their wild schemes, we have victory over Satan through the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb of God. Despite his attempts to make our life miserable or pull us off track, he only has as much power as we allow him to have. John 12, 25, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Why? Because the world continually offers us opportunities to rebel against God. We need to test everything. We need to have that mind of Christ that Paul talks about. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but transform by the renewing of our minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will is, 
his good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't automatically buy into everything you hear, every idea that is promoted on television or whatever. Question, challenge, think critically, read, your, read the Bible, compare it to Scripture, and properly assess, uh, assess the popular opinion. You know, do, does these, th this, this message line up with the Word of God? You know, whenever you watch TV or especially listen to the nightly news that the Associated Press feeds all the different news agencies, you know, what are the suppositions behind this message? And we talked about in, um, we talked about in uh, Sunday school today, you know, if it's loaded with fear and panic and, like, urgency, it's probably a Luciferian message. And it's something that maybe uh, we should just not listen to or turn off. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, it says, Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every evil. So that's everything. You know, our TV programs, our news, our novels, our magazines, our fashion, what we wear, our political commentary, our talk show hosts, our radio psychologists, our teachers, and even our preachers. Test everything. The enemy controls the world through the screens more than any other way. You know, it, it, just a, one stat here. I know we've got about... Uh, Five minutes left here. Um, the average child, ages 2 through 11, watches 25.5 hours of, of TV per week. That means the time of their preschool, from preschool to kindergarten, he or she has already spent as much time in front of TV than he will be earning a whole college degree. Same thing with adults and uh, children. They said the average American will spend 9.5 years of their life in front of a, a, a screen. Of, of some sort, a TV screen or a, you know, a iPhone screen. Is that the way you want to spend your life, uh, 9.5 years of your life? We talked about last time the, you know, the power of prayer and how prayer can actually change heaven and earth. Um, probably a better time to pull out that prayer journal that I, I left some uh, notebooks back there for you and, and have that prayer time every day instead. Here's an interesting comparison. If you attend church every Sunday from the time you're born to 65 years old, you will only have 4.5 years of Bible teaching, or 4.5 months. So 4.5 months versus nine and a half years. That includes the Sunday school and the midweek Wednesday service. We wonder why children don't have an interest in spiritual things. We need to evaluate everything. 2 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And if you look at like Netflix, everything is either sex or murder or any kind of sin possible in every one of their, their franchise programs. It is evidence that our culture, that the system of the world is promoting sinful values and behaviors. And the final one here to kind of tie things all together is uh, to overcome the world is believe and worship in Jesus Christ. And we, those that are Christians, know that know this to be true. The Apostle John makes a statement in 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. Then he goes more into clarifying in the next verse, and he says in 1 John 5, 5, 
he who overcomes the world, but he who that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and press into him to overcome this world. He is the key to overcoming the world. His death and resurrection has defeated sin, death, the grave for all those who are called, who accept him as Lord and Savior and is called according to his purposes. In John 16, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that you may have peace in this world of tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we need to press into him. So in summary, there is a spiritual war going on for the souls of men. Jesus has given us clear direction to go make disciples of, and build the kingdom of God. He has given us the Holy Spirit for power, wisdom, and protection. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room of God, interceding on our behalf and answering our prayers. We are to be called the, the salt and light of this world, meaning the enemy of our souls is doing everything possible to deceive so that he can kill, steal, and destroy, as outlined in John 10.10, and to pull us away from God. This is the condition of the world we live in. As Christians, we have a mission, a mission to pray. Pray for those that don't know him. Pray for uh, us to be able to overcome the tribulation that, and to grow deeper into Christ. So how do we overcome the world? We do not love the world with all its sinful desires and the rebellion against God. We resist the devil until he flees, and we press into Christ and live through his power and his love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for an additional heaping of your Holy Spirit to advance your kingdom. May the words and actions refute the lies of the God of this world so that those who we encounter find freedom that only can be found in you. Help us love you more than the world. Resist the influences of this world and live in a victory found only in the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.